Podcast. Let's talk about the weather. Hello, everybody, to today's episode of Oddcast. Um, I have a very special guest today, and I'm looking forward to um, talking to Jay Wilson. Jay Wilson is uh, traveling a lot. She has worked for organizations like WMO and uh, has traveled the world. Uh, Jay, last week you were in the Caribbean. I saw that on uh, social media. And now you're back in cold, dark Europe. So how are you feeling? Are you having a cold? Actually, a little bit. Yes. Yes. It's been a bit of a shock to the system, to be honest. Yes. Yeah, I think no wonder about that. Uh, Jay, you are the director for business development and sustainability at All Hydromid. So tell me a bit, what is that role about? What are you actually doing apart from traveling? Okay, well, so my primary role is really to um, advocate for Art Hydromet. Um, you know that a lot of the scientists are really looking for um, really uh, solid observation data so that um, the forecast and the early warnings that are done are are, are based on, on, on something real, right? And the issue that we have is that observations, unfortunately, are still not um, very good. There's still that data gap that exists in developing countries. And one of the key problems that the key challenges that, that exist is that even though there's been a lot of investment in infrastructure, meaning hydromet um, monitoring solutions in, in, in least developed countries, they are unfortunately not sustainable. So there's not a long-term plan that is that, that you know that really gets taken into consideration when 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 um when when monitoring stations are installed, right? So they don't look at it um in terms of sustainability. So there has been a lot of push, not just from from the UN, but also from a lot of um from the development partner world in general. So that includes um climate financing institutions, that includes development banks such as the World Bank, that includes like some of the bilateral um development agencies, the US, the UK, um, even EU, for example. So everyone is really calling for um, sustainable investments. So what we are trying to push is is really to talk to the countries, kind of increase awareness of what art is doing to, um, to to make sure that when there is investment in infrastructure, that, that we look at it from a holistic point of view so that it is sustainable. So that's kind of what I do. Coming back to, to the start of what you're saying, um, you talked about data gaps when it comes to observation. Uh, what is the problem with, with data gaps and what are the consequences if we don't get um, comprehensive data? Okay, so the issue, so I, I mean, I'll, I'll try to put it simpler because I'm not a very technical person. The way that I see it is you're, when you look at Europe, for example, right, we, th there's no data gap at all in Europe. But, but in Europe, when we, when we look at the weather, at least 
for a normal person, we really want to know, am I going to put a very thick coat on today? Am I going to need the umbrella? Am I going to take the car? Am I going to take the train? You know, depending if it's snowing or not, right? But if you put that into the context of developing countries, the questions that a normal person like us would do, like if you look at Africa, for example, where um, there's a lot of subsistent um, farmers in, 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 in that region. So when they are looking at the weather, they don't just need it for these simple things like we have. They really need to look at it in terms of, okay, am I going to lose my last, I don't know, $20 to buy these seeds and kind of, and, um, and, and, and plant them now so that I can have, you know, a good yield in a couple of months, right? They're also looking at, um, some of the health issues in terms of ma malaria and things like that. So these are this it's it's a much much wider um, issue, if you will, when they're looking at um, when they're looking at the weather. Right? It's not as simple as ours. And 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 the issue is that there is a data gap. So so they they don't have um, they, they really don't have enough data in in the countries to be able to have um, accurate forecasts. And, and 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 early warnings and, and that's kind of where the issue is so so how does their weather monitoring look like or is there any weather observation at all how can we think of that no they do they so they they have they have some data but it's very sparse so basically wmo had done a global gap analysis in 2022 in terms of the observation gap and what they have found is that the The, the gap is actually wider now in some regions. And so, of course, when they say some regions, they, you know, we're talking about the high growth markets, right? You're talking about Africa, you're talking about the Pacific and Asia. Um, and that's not actually considering the additional deterioration due to COVID-19 crisis, where um, maintenance on observations has not actually been done, especially not in remote areas. So, so yeah. Which would even worsen the situation. Which means it's yeah. even worse now than it was before. Yeah. So talking about your very recent experience and impression, you, you were uh, in the Caribbean at Grenada. What are typical challenges islands are facing? Um, I'm talking here uh, also, of course, about the, the rising, rising sea level, um, about more extreme weather phenomena that we are uh, observing so what what are the challenges those those people are facing well in the caribbean i mean in i think it was in september of 2017 that's when hurricane irma actually happened i think it was the strongest storm on record for the atlantic basin um, and then two years later, hurricane durian also happened right and i think irma was the first Five, category five hurricane and um, and it's um, and I think the hardest hit location is the British Virgin Islands so if you're I mean if you're looking at hurricanes like that you, you know the, the massive infrastructure um, uh, damage that that happens the loss of lives that happen um, that that's that's one of the main problems and that's actually kind of circling back to why this early warnings are really needed, right? So it's not just about the loss of infrastructure, it's really about the loss of life. How can we prevent that from happening? And the early warning um, 
the early warning for all initiative that has been started by the UN Secretary General that is that has been delegated to the WMO and the UNDRR to implement is really trying to see how how can the Met Services and the disaster risk management people work together to to make sure that when the early warnings happen, it really triggers a lot of the a lot of the actions on the ground to save people. And what is the current what is the current status of of this initiative? Could you briefly inform the listener who's not aware of that? Okay, so so it was in March of this year that the UN Secretary General basically announced this early warning for all initiative, right? What he what they want to make sure is that everyone has early warnings. Now, I mean, and so in the in this year, in this I think it was um, during the year, WMO then and UNDRR and and other um, and other development partners were were working on an action plan. And this action plan was actually um, showcased during COP this year. So what they have found is, um, is that there is a need for about $3 billion to be able to implement, um, to be able to implement this program. So, so such an early warning system requires various levels of elements, right? Uh, the, yes. What can we think of? The instrumentation, of course, the data infrastructure, what, what else? Yeah, well, the, the actually, so the the UN system is working around what they call the, the, the people-centered early warning system. And there are four main components to this. The first one is disaster risk knowledge, where there's systematic collection of data and they normally undertake risk assessments. You know, so they answer questions like, are the hazards and the vulnerabilities well known by the communities? Like, what are the patterns and trends, you know, in these factors? Are there risks mapped that are that are available? Right. So that's one component. The second so, like, component. Like local education, right? Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, of, of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the second component is on um, detection and observations, right? So they develop hazard monitoring and early warning services. And so in these, they look at, you know, what are the right, are the right parameters being monitored? Is there scientific basis for making the forecast and the warnings? And can accurate and timely warnings actually be generated? Okay. Mm -hmm. And the third component is on preparedness and response capability. So what they do is build national and com uh, they build national and community response capabilities, right? Um, are response plans um, up to date and are they tested? Like if something happens, do people know what they need to do? Are the local capacities and knowledge made use of, like in terms of indigenous knowledge that, you know, not everyone would actually have? Um, and there are the people um, prepared and ready to react to these warnings. And then the last component is actually the warning dissemination and communication. So they communicate the risk information, early warning. So do they reach all of those that are at risk, right? Do they understand what it means, right? Um, is the warning information clear and actually actionable? So those are sort of those are the four components that they are looking at, and there are different expertise that obviously, um, you know, work on those. And so we, as, as mm -hmm. at Hydromet, sorry, we as at at Hydromet, we are in the detection, observation, and monitoring component. So that was exactly what I was referring to. Now, when you are traveling as a sort of ambassador and also um, a, a person who is 
trying to educate the people um, at the very forefront of climate-related or climate-change-related catastrophes. Um, what are typical questions you have to answer or what are the things that really concern them? So in the, in the specific work that I am doing, we're really looking at trying to see how we can, how us, the private sector, can actually really engage um, with, with the public sector, right? What does that mean, right? How can, we, how can we actually work together? It goes back a little bit to what we were talking about, the sustainability before. So what I've been trying to do now is basically just talk to med services, hydromet services, and kind of say, okay, so how can we work together so that the next investment that you have on your infrastructure is actually sustainable? So what are the different things that we need to take into consideration? Right. So we need to make sure that whatever we are going to be providing to them as odd hydromet is actually fit for purpose. Right. And it and and not just fit for purpose, but fit for the landscape that they have. Right. So so we need to make sure that that um, that there's enough expertise on the ground or there's enough absorption capacity on the ground to really be able to use um, these instruments in the way that they need to for them, for their benefit. I'm, I'm not sure if that makes sense to you. Yet it does. Um, and from your impression, how how can we help them and solve these these issues they have? So, what are the things they they really value when it when it comes to collaboration? I, I think transparency is is best. I mean, um, th there's a lot of there's a lot of, um, how do you say it, um, resistance, if you will, in, in really m properly engaging with the private sector. There is a perception that that you know that that they are taken advantage of by the private sector, or that um, yeah, but based on negative experiences in the past, right? But but but. Um, but I think that it's transparency. I mean, if if we really sit down and listen to what they need and we actually really propose solutions that is fit to what they need and kind of start building that, um, I, be, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I believe that that's what they want to see. And also in terms of Art Hydromed specifically um, and, and our, you know, different companies, we have a lot of knowledge in terms of how how can you use this instrumentation for as long as possible, like maximize that life of the equipment that you have, right? What are the things that they need to do? And I think that a lot of that knowledge can, can actually be shared with the countries um, because it's just not there right now, right? Right now what happens is they've, they get funding from a project we install the what we or who you know whoever will install the instrumentation. They they work for like the next three to five years, and then after that it's it's gone, right? There's no there's no maintenance. There's no um, there's not there's not recurring training to make sure that they they know how to use them, and 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 after that it they're just gone. Right. And so the next time they go looking for funding, they, you know, they, they get investment again for the same things. And 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 the donors are not are not going to keep doing that. So 
so we can't, we as the private sector, we can't just kind of stay back now and just kind of let that keep happening, right? What is the differentiation that art is going to have, right? It's that we support the countries from like the beginning and make sure that, that they get maximum return on that investment. That's how I'm seeing it again. <laughs> is that is that the feedback that you're getting? Um, yes, yes. I mean, I was actually, so um, in, in, in the Caribbean, a lot of art hide, um, Sutron actually in the Caribbean, Sutron used to do um, a lot of, what they call capacity building activities, right? There were, they had something called the advanced user forums where basically every year um, Sutron opens their doors to customers worldwide, right? Um, their their R&D team basically shows us the, the uh, showcases the latest technology. They get feedback from the customers in terms of are these meeting what your requirements are, right? Um, and they also get to, you know, the, the, the MET services, they get to present what their latest projects are, what the different applications that they're using to their peers. And it was really um, a very good way of, of engaging, continuously engaging our, um, our end users, right, our customers. And that, that those kinds of activities, I mean, you build trust with them, and 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 I think that that's how you keep getting them to come back to you, right? Because it's a conversation with them. It's not a one-off. Okay, here are the stations. Thank you very much, and then it's done. But but if we accompany them throughout all of this, and th that's how that's how I believe you not you don't just build the trust, but you get them back as recurring customers. And we also did a lot of training. Um, with the um, Caribbean Institute for um, Met and Hydro, um, and and that's how we met a lot of their technicians, right? And 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 really understood what 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 their problems are on the ground, and and we were we were as far as I understood quite present in terms of making sure we respond to um, to any of the issues that they have. So so then if you if 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 you look at that in, in the bigger picture, we're not only supporting them in making sure that they have sustainable, robust monitoring networks, right? But we're also building that relationship with them so that we evolve together. So these apart, are the kinds of things that we want to continue doing. Apart from, from that trust and relationship building, which definitely is important from my, from my perspective too, what are typical issues they have on the ground? What, what can that be? Talking about the sustainability of such a measurement network. I mean, some of the things that I have seen in my past life um, is, I mean, I, I'll use radars as an example, right? You, radars are a multi, they're, they're like multi-million dollar investments. And I have seen countries where they are only using the radars to maybe not even a quarter of their capacity, right? So, so you you pay over a million, you know, for to, to, to purchase this instrument to install it, and you know maybe even you have some spare parts to make sure it's working, but you're only using it at the very superficial level and not really getting 
what you need out of it in order to really provide those, you know, those more accurate forecasts and, and, and warnings that you should be doing. Um, I've seen these kinds of issues. I've also seen a lot of um, lack of training, right? You, you, you sell the equipment, um, the it doesn't matter which company, right? The equipment is sold and um, and there's maybe one or two trainings up front. There's not continuous training um, over the, you know, over the life of the, uh, of the, um, of the product itself. And, and that may not be any fault, neither of the instrument company nor of the, uh, nor of the med service itself, but, but maybe that's how the projects were developed, right? So, so that is for me another rationale why the private sector also needs to be involved in the development of the projects before they are even funded because we have some of that knowledge to share with them and say listen if you really want sustainability if you really want these to last a long time then these are the things that we need to be considering jay i would love to talk to you for hours and hopefully we will get another chance to to talk about certain specific projects maybe or parts of the world i fear that for today we are closing this episode for everyone interested in this topic i recommend episode 10 where we talked about uh, how the uh, climate change is impacting environmental monitoring um, with ashish raval who was part of sutron and Odhydromid before um, one of our most listened uh, episodes. So apart from that, thank you very much, Jay, and hear you next time. Bye. Thanks. Let's talk about the weather. 